I'm turning to our scripture in Luke, Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. And our subject today is Mary's song of praise, her overflowing reason for her praise. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And then verse 47, And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. This morning when I woke up, I saw the light coming into the room and I heard the birds singing. I knew that I'm going to be preaching on Mary's song of praise. I'd done a lot of preparation and a few songs are so beautiful as this. Mary shows her deep knowledge of the scripture in this song. But one of the things that I read was that Mary's song was like a bird singing in the morning at the rising sun coming. She knew that the long-awaited Savior was going to be born. And this was the reason for her great, great joy. So Mary, she knew the scriptures very, very well. And her song is overflowing with scripture. It reflects the Psalms, and it's also connected to a very similar song, Hannah's song. What a tremendous song of joy. But why was it so full of joy? Well, it's because her heart was full of joy. And it comes from the heart, a heart that has received God's mercy. True praise it has its roots in that which is above and not that which is beneath. Mary had her joy in her heart at the prospect that a Savior was going to be born. Now we are coming to the season of, of joy, season of Christmas. I know it's a little early, but in a few days from now, a few weeks from now, we will all be saying Merry Christmas in other words, the Christ has come. The angels announced him. The shepherds sought him. The wise men worshipped him. And that wonderful scripture, unto us a child is born. It is glad tidings of great joy. These, this good news is not meant to terrify people. This good news is to gladden and to comfort people. As a Christian, we have a lasting reason for joy. Just as we read in the spiritual song, we, we see that Mary's overflowing with joy, and our hearts are also overflowing with joy when we realize, when we realize the great mercy that's also been shown unto us. So Mary's praise, Mary's praise hymn was rich, it was beautiful, it was full. And out of the abundance of her heart, her mouth praised. She spoke scripture. She was full and overflowing with scripture. And she used scriptural language to express her emotion. One of the old writers makes the point 
What can be more rich than expressing your love to God with words that he's already familiar with, with words which he himself has penned? We should be just like that. We should be like King David. Thy word, O Lord, I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. And we should let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, richly. The scripture says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, in hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. So the more full we are of scripture, the more we can give praise, meaningful praise unto the Lord. There's no treasure like this, a heart that is full of Christ's word. Many of the writers, they make the comment, let us make the effort to commit scripture to memory. I remember as a child, I memorized my first scripture, John chapter 3 and verse 16, and I'm sure we all know it. But as we have committed scripture to memory, it becomes a great storehouse of words that we can give thanks unto the Lord for. It's the best language to give praise to the Lord. It's never a waste of time to hide God's word in your heart. It will always bear forth rich fruit. When our hearts are full of God's word, our tongues will overflow with a rich word and meaningful prayer. Now, Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with, it, with me and let us exalt his name together. So magnify if you were to take a magnifying glass and look at a small insect, the magnifying glass doesn't make the insect bigger. The insect, insect stays the same size. It just appears to be bigger. We cannot make God any greater than he is. He's so great, how can we expect to make him greater? But our praise makes it more clear how great he is. And this is what Mary is doing. She's showing forth the greatness of God that others too may praise him and thank him for his greatness. This is true praise. Mary was praising and magnifying him, making him higher and larger and having a truer understanding of him, making his mighty acts known, his glory known, so others can see him and others may also praise him. Joseph and Mary lived in a time when one of the most wicked kings was reigning. It, were, it wasn't easy times, it was difficult times. And people often say, well, it's all right for them to praise, but we live in a much harder time. No, their times were very difficult. Uh, Mary had the threats of King Herod, who wanted to kill the child. It was not easy for them, yet it's very interesting. She continued to give glory and magnify the Lord, 
even in a difficult situation, even in adverse situations, we, as God's children, actually, we have so much reason, the redeemed have reason to praise the Lord. No matter how wicked and no matter how dark it is, no matter how difficult the times are in which we live, He hath said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm with you always. Oh, we can praise Him that He's with us. He's with us. We rejoice because unto us a child is born. We rejoice because unto us a son is given. We have a real reason to magnify and praise the Lord. As a believer, we have so much to thank the Lord for. We, Of course, we thank Him for our salvation. But we also thank Him that we are adopted into His family. We have been adopted into His family. We are His children. Uh, we thank Him for forgiveness. We thank Him for an inheritance, eternal, kept for us in heaven. But you know... By the behavior and the actions of some Christians, you would think that they have received nothing from the Lord. You would think that they had received a command from the Lord, groan in the Lord always, and again I say groan. And this is the way some behave. You would think that they'd miserably changed the New Testament passage. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Oh, we have reason to rejoice. What a wonderful magnifying of the Lord this is. The, the humble can do it. You can do it in any situation in which you are facing. You can do it. It doesn't cost you any money to do it. Yet, there's nothing of such high value as giving praise to the Lord. It needs no special talent. You don't have to have a perfect voice, for we sing from our hearts to the Lord. We magnify the Lord. This is the highest occupation given to mankind. To magnify the Lord, it's a high, high privilege. In verse number 47, And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. How our spirits rejoice when our eyes are opened and we realize God is my Savior. God is our Savior. No angel could bear what he bore for us. No angel could bring forth our redemption. God didn't send an angel to redeem us. He sent his only begotten son. He didn't even send the highest angel in the whole of heaven. He sent his son. And the divine savior is the core of our praise and of our worship to the Lord. He is the core of our faith. Mary praises not just with her tongue. She is not just giving lip service to the Lord. Her tongue is overflowing with a result of the goodness of the Lord in her heart. The heart and the tongue are connected in true praise. 
We note this in, in Hannah's song. In Hannah's song of praise, Hannah says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted. This is true spiritual rejoicing. Rejoicing for what the Lord has done in our hearts. But also rejoicing at the word of the Lord, at his eternal promises. Mary's poem, or Mary's sonnet, was a hymn of faith. Because no saviour was yet born. She, the virgin had no evidence that she could see that she was even going to bear a saviour. Yet, by faith, she believed. But faith has a music, a music of a diviner sort. You see, she didn't need evidence that you could see. She knew in her heart. And because she knew in her heart, she could praise. In a few moments after the service, there's going to be a, a table of food, a buffet table of food, and many will be glad. Many will be happy about that. But that food is here today and gone tomorrow. That food is not permanent. How much more should we rejoice at the eternal truths of God's word? His word which changes not. His word which fills believers with holy and rich delight. I read this in, in one of the... Um, messages by Spurgeon and it says do not stagger do not stumble brothers and sisters but honor God glorify God and magnifying him by believing great things and unsearchable things things past your finding out which you know not but you know them to be true because he declares them to you we rejoice in the promises of God because they are eternal. They never change. No one can rejoice unless they have been given a new heart, a heart that is full of light and a heart that is full of life. A heart of unbelief departs from the Lord. Uh, a stony and a cold heart cannot rejoice but it can give some sort of lip service. But that's not rejoicing. Rejoicing comes from the heart. We move on to verse 48. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Mary's deep humility. And notice that she calls him God her saviour. God her saviour and she realized that she also needed a saviour she knew that she was not perfect and she calls him her saviour for the angel of the Lord had told her that the son of the would be born and he is the son of the highest and that his name would be Jesus the saviour and she grasps this and she understands it and, he, and she applies it to her own life. And she says, he is God, my savior. Yes, she was humble and she was very thankful for the great honor that was bestowed upon her. Yet she gloried more in the fact that a savior 
was to be born. She gloried more in the fact that her sin, her debt of sin would be cancelled because this long-awaited Savior had come. Mary was familiar with the scriptures. Mary must have been praying for the Savior to come. Imagine the joy in her heart when now she knew that she would be the one carrying the Savior. And she said, I will be the first to receive from that Savior. There are many that have strayed from the fold. There are many that have not been justified. There are many that have no song. They're not like Mary. They don't have hearts full of joy. They, they lost. Well, you say, well, that's not so serious. But let me explain to you the weight of that situation. The weight of the situation is this. We are guilty and the evidence is overwhelming. It's abundantly clear that we should be put to death. The wages of sin is death, and we have sinned, and we deserve death. But instead of being put to death, there's one who was born of a virgin, and he took our sin upon himself. He died in our place. He took our punishment. But if that's not enough, he adopted us into his family. And as a father... He taught us the family principles, the family values, the family truths. And if that's not enough, he has a great eternal inheritance for us that we will be with him forever and ever. And really, that is our reward, that we would be with him forever. When we see how much the Lord has done for us, It makes our hearts glad. And we begin to give thanks. And we begin to, like Mary, overflow with praises for what the Lord has done. I don't know about you, but this is the reason I thank God. Because I realize I was lost, but now I'm found. I have a reason to give thanks unto the Lord. Do you have a reason? Have you been redeemed? Have you received the, the son that was born of Mary. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Compassion and kindness are showed unto us. Not what we deserve. We deserve death. But his love melts our hard hearts. Drawing us unto him for salvation. He looks upon us with Pity, oh, receive his eternal gift. Receive him who came for you, and you will find your heart is also overflowing. While I was preparing this message, I read this, that Mary was the least in her father's house. For no fault of her own, she, she was probably, probably disregarded, and unjustly treated and neglected. They say that she was the outcast of the family. Yet God honored her and showed her compassion. And God always considers the oppressed and he shows them his hand. God saw, for example, he saw, he saw Leah was hated 
and he opened her womb and he had compassion on her. And God saw that Hannah, Hannah was provoked and made to fret and was insulted by Penina. Therefore, God gave her a son. Those who men treat wrongly and who men despise and discourage, God often shows compassion on them, especially if they bear it patiently for his name's sake. Mary, she had a great praise in her heart. She said, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. The compassion and the honor that was shown to Mary was forever and forever. And really, for us, the, the grace that, and the mercy that is shown to us will be forever and forever. We shall be with the Lord. For he is mighty, verse 49, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Holy is his name. Hannah also used this language in her song, and she said, there is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. It is the Lord, the mighty one that has done great things for us. A great thing indeed that a virgin should conceive. A great thing. He planned it himself. Nobody compelled him to do it. Nobody said, send your only begotten son. He elected to send his son of his own great love for us. His son is the only one who was able to obtain our redemption. He is mighty. He who is holy has done great things for us. Do you see the greatness of God? Do you see the extent of his mercy? Oh yes, I see. I see. Well, rejoice. You didn't open your own eyes. God opened your eyes. He's the one who gave you understanding to see. And if you are beginning to see and you've not been a follower of Jesus Christ, bow your heart and bow your knee in humility and reverence to him and receive this wonderful gift this Christmas time. He wouldn't have opened your eyes if he didn't want you to see. He opened your eyes because he wanted you to come to salvation. He wanted you to see the great things that he had done for you. What a wonderful Lord he is. Think, brothers and sisters, you were blind, but now you see. You were lame, but now he has made you to leap. Worse than that, you were dead, but he has made you alive. You were in prison, and he has made you free. Some of us were in a prison that was so dark, so dark, there wasn't even a glimmer of light. But he has brought us out, and he has showed his great light to us. Oh, what a wonderful Lord. He has brought us out, and he has granted us a seat in the heavenlies where there is great light. From darkness to light, he has translated us out of darkness into his glorious light. Out of prison, into the light, into freedom. If any one of his children were to die and enter heaven tonight, 
doesn't matter if they were from the poorest family in the whole world. It doesn't matter if they were from the richest family in the whole world. But the same ministering angels would welcome them. There would be no difference. They would be received. Oh, what great things he has done for us. For I am not from a great family. I am not a rich man. But yet I will be received the same as anyone. Oh, what a wonderful God. His compassion is rich and full and everlasting. And verse number 50, it says, And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. God's mercy. God looks on those who fear him, who are struck with amazement, reverence, and honor, who treat him with respect and reverential obedience. That's what it means to fear the Lord. His mercy is on these kind of people. His eye is upon them. He has manifested his eternal son to grant us eternal salvation. Mercy stands from generation to generation for all that call upon him. Mercy, O sinner, is like a silver bell for you. You say, what does that mean? It means a calm, soft, sweet voice. Mercy is the calm, soft, sweet voice of the Lord saying unto you, Call upon me, and I will answer you. Come unto me, and I will give you to drink. Come unto me, my compassions fail not. Listen to the heavenly music that calls you. This gentle voice is calling you, repent and live. God desires to be merciful unto you. Mary recounts in, in, in verse 51 to 54, she recounts the, the Lord's great mercies. She points out that he has scattered the proud. The proud don't receive from the Lord. Well, what is the height of pride? What is the highest form of pride? Well, I think it is like this. I don't need a savior. I am all right. I don't need this Jesus who came from heaven to earth. Oh, humble yourselves under his hand. Humble yourselves this day. Receive the Lord's great mercy. Receive forgiveness for your sin. Mary tells us in her song, she says how those of low degree will be exalted. She, she tells us how they will be favored. She tells us that the proud will be resisted, but the humble will be lifted up. When I consider what God has so freely given us, I'm filled with wonder, I'm filled with awe, I'm filled with humility that he would give so much to us. Glad tidings unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. Jesus, the son of Mary, the son of David, the son of Abraham, the son of Adam, a savior, our prophet, our priest, our king. Has he not loved us so much? I close with God's faithfulness. I close with verse 55 is, He spake to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever.
what he spoke to the fathers of long ago is still true today. There is a promise in the scripture that will suit your case. Oh, search the scriptures. Find that promise. And when you find it, don't say, oh, can it be true? Thank God that it is true. And believe that promise. Speak it with your mouth and sing unto the Lord and give him thanks for it. But the greatest, I close with this, the greatest promise is the promise of salvation. The promise of salvation to them that believe. The promise of new life to all those who are in Christ Jesus. There are certain things that we have to do for ourselves. I can't sleep for you. You have to sleep for yourself. I can't eat for you. You have to eat for yourself. I can't learn the two times table for the children. They have to learn it themselves. And I can't pray for you and bow your knee for you and bow your heart for you. You have to pray to your father. You have to bow your knee to him. You have to bow your heart to him. You have to ask him and acknowledge I'm in need of this Savior that was born for me. Amen and amen.